Let's turn now to God's holy word, and we will be reading uh, this afternoon the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to John. John chapter 20. You know, of course, that each of the Gospel writers has his own particular account of the resurrection of Christ. This morning, your pastor spoke on the account in the Gospel of Matthew, so I thought that uh, for this afternoon we would listen to the account in the Gospel of John. We'll be reading the entire chapter because I want to point out a few things about the entire chapter and it's somewhat lengthy but and I will be accenting a particularly short word and you will know it I think and listen carefully and I'll explain or indicate in the message why I do so. This is the word of God. On the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And they had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thus far, beautiful chapters. has many thoughts in it, and I want to unfold several of these in our message uh, here for you this afternoon. Under the title, as you notice of the message, Seeing is Believing. You've all heard that expression in your own uh, circumstances at one time or another. If you doubt something is, has really happened, or is possible, or is true, You may insist on saying, I want to see it for myself. I will not see or believe until I've seen. If you do not believe that a jumbo jet holding 400 plus passengers and weighing over 600,000 pounds can race down a runway and climb up into the sky, just go to an airport and see it for yourself. Whenever I do, I always still marvel. Seeing is believing. But now, not all seeing leads to believing. Someone may see a majestic mountain range, or a beautiful valley, or an awesome sunset, and yet not believe in God, the creator of this vast, magnificent universe. Someone may see the ultrasound of a baby inside a mother's womb, showing the head, the limbs, and other features of this baby, and yet not believe that it is a human life, and even have it killed before it is born. And the reason for that is because not all seeing leads to believing. Maybe I could put it this way, there are different kinds of seeing. And so this afternoon, we're going to deal with some of these different ways of seeing, as they pertain pertain to the great and the glorious event that we're celebrating again today, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. But to appreciate the greatness, the glory of that victory that he achieved, we do need to have resurrection sight. We do need to see it, what happened, for what it is, for what it meant, and what it continues to mean for us today. I asked you a moment ago to listen carefully as I read through John chapter 20 for a certain word which John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, uses time and again here in connection with the resurrection of Christ. It's that simple short word, saw, or the present tense, see. That's a key word. John, the apostle, liked to use that word in the writing of his gospel. He uses it a great deal. In chapter 1, verse 14, he writes about Christ's incarnation, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen 
His glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in chapter 14, verse 9, it records, John records Jesus telling his disciples, whoever has seen me, says Jesus, has seen the Father. Uh, John is concerned to emphasize in his gospel that what he writes about the Savior is true. It's something, not something that he dreamed up or that he just imagined, but it's based on his own personal experience and it's based on actual events which he and others saw. And so in chapter 20, John relates the experiences of those who first saw the empty tomb and saw the risen Lord himself. This afternoon, let's notice three things concerning that uh, seeing. First, we read of those seeing the signs of Christ's resurrection in this chapter. And secondly, we see here those seeing the risen Savior himself, literally. And thirdly, we read of seeing the Lord by faith, by faith alone. But first of all, there were those who saw the signs of our Lord's resurrection on that first Easter day. And that's important because those signs testified that Jesus had indeed risen and was alive. What were these signs of the resurrection? Well, in verse 1 of chapter 20, we read, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. That was the first indication that something extraordinary had happened. The stone had been removed from the mouth of the tomb. You probably know, all of you, that tombs in those days were hewn out of the rocks. They were not holes dug into the, into the earth like graves. In fact, one could enter into a tomb. Oftentimes it held more than one body. And so the opening of the tomb was also often covered with a large boulder. But here, the boulder had been rolled away from the tomb's mouth. And what's significant about that is not only was that unusual in itself, but this particular tomb had been guarded by a company of Roman soldiers. And this particular soldier, uh, tomb in particular, or this stone on, but before it, also had a seal that was placed on it from the Roman Empire, indicating that it, should not be, that it should not be removed or touched or tampered with. And yet here Mary Magdalene found the stone rolled away from the tomb. That was the first sign of the Lord's resurrection, though Mary, of course, didn't see that at first or at this point to realize it. Mary also then Proceeded, we don't read that specifically here, but from the other Gospels we know, she, she peered inside the tomb, along with some other women who had joined her at some point, and they noticed also there was no dead body inside. For we read in verse 2 that she ran to Peter and John, referred, Peter and John refers himself here to the disciple whom Jesus loved, and, and she told them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And then we read Peter and John running to the tomb of Jesus to check it out for themselves. John outruns Peter. He comes first to the tomb, and he also sees that it is open. And then we read in verse 5, And stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, 
but he did not go in. So John saw the second sign of the resurrection, namely, the tomb was empty and only the burial cloths of Jesus' body were lying there by themselves. And as he was pondering this, Peter came up, huffing and puffing. And in typical Peter's style, he walks right into the tomb. And then we read in verses 6 and 7, he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Uh, Notice those linen cloths were not scattered all about. They were neatly folded and in their own place. Mary Magdalene thought that somebody must have stolen the body of Jesus. But obviously that was not the case. Because why would thieves leave burial cloths all neatly folded up as they ran away with the body of Jesus? Rather, what these burial cloths indicate again is that something most unusual had happened that morning. And John perceived it and understood it. Peter apparently did not as yet. Because when John then followed Peter into the tomb and saw no body, only the burial cloths lying there, we read in verse 8, and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. What did John believe? Not just I believe or I think that Jesus' body wasn't there, but he believed that Jesus indeed had risen from the dead. Because he adds in verse 9, and remember John is the author of this account, he writes, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. But now as John saw the tomb empty, he came to realize and believe, oh, that's what Jesus had told us, that he would rise again from the dead. He is alive. Mary saw the stone rolled away and was alarmed. Peter saw the empty tomb and was amazed, puzzled. John saw the empty tomb and he believed, it says. He came to know what that sign meant, the Lord had risen indeed. And then let me quickly mention yet one more sign of the resurrection. After Peter and John left the tomb, Mary Magdalene, who had followed them back to the tomb, remained there at the tomb crying, weeping. And then we read that she looked into the tomb as if to make sure that what John and Peter had seen, that the body of Jesus was not there. That, that, was that really true? You see, she still did not grasp actually what had happened. But then as she herself looked into the tomb, we read in verse 12, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. The angel. They were yet another sign of this great event of Christ's resurrection. Angels had been there when our Lord Jesus was born in the fields outside Bethlehem, singing and announcing of his glorious birth. And now they were there when our Lord Jesus arose from the dead at the tomb to announce his glorious resurrection. But even though Mary saw them, she still didn't understand what had happened. Even after they asked her, woman, why are you weeping? Her mind was so preoccupied, her vision was so limited, that even though she saw the angels, 
She was blind to the glorious truth of what their presence pointed to. The Lord was alive. Now, what does all of that say to us today, people of God? Two things. One is our faith in the resurrection of Christ is supported by signs, evidence, if you will. God wants us to know and the world to know, just open your eyes. Christ has risen from the dead. This is fact. This is history. Even though facts and history alone cannot explain it, of course, because the resurrection is a mighty miracle of God. But it truly happened. Look at the signs of it. The stone was rolled away from the tomb. Even though it was closely guarded by Roman soldiers. The tomb itself was empty. No body there. And burial clothes lined there neatly folded. And God sent two angels to that tomb site to proclaim Christ has risen. Yes, our faith in the resurrection is supported by sight, by the physical sight of those who witnessed it or witnessed the results of it. Mary saw the signs of it. Peter and John did. As those who, and those who, who were there, who, others who, who came to see the resurrected Lord afterwards, they saw him. This was not a hallucination, a made-up story. As those who do not take the Bible seriously, who don't, who don't feel this is a, a credible account, that one cannot believe in our modern day and age, or who deny that, that the word of God in its testimony is also not true. No, we have clear signs of the resurrection. And yet we need more than just signs, external signs to believe it. And so there's a second truth that we want to glean here from this account, namely that merely seeing the signs of Christ's resurrection does not mean that we really see still. One may know, in other words, all the facts of the gospel. One may know the resurrection story well and still not be saved. One may say or one may sing, as many have done, even on this day today. In churches, places throughout the world, they may have sung, as the children sang, He arose. From the grave He arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. And yet they may not know the power of the resurrection. It's the annual irony of Easter that so many are in churches today to celebrate this glorious event who don't truly know the resurrected Christ himself. We need not only to see the signs of his resurrection, we need to see him. We need to see the living Lord himself through a living faith. And that's the second main truth that I want to make this afternoon After seeing the signs, we must see the risen Lord himself. And how beautifully, you know, John brings it out here in chapter 20 of his gospel account. After recording the initial experience of those who saw the empty tomb, at first like Mary Magdalene and, and, and so on, but then John records how Mary Magdalene then finally came to see the Christ himself in person. You know the touching story. She was engrossed in her grief. She stood there weeping at the tomb. 
Then all of a sudden, we read in verse 14, she turned around and she saw, notice that word saw, she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. She saw him, the risen Lord, but at that moment, she still didn't see him, really. She mistook him for the gardener, for the cemetery caretaker, and she said to Jesus, mind you, sir, if you've carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him so that I may take him away. She would like to bury him again. If he had the body. And I wonder what Jesus thought at that moment. An ironic moment it was. She was speaking to the living Savior himself, asking to take his dead body away. But there he stood, alive, in front of her. And she didn't know it. But then he opened her eyes. He did it with one word, her name. As only he could say it, as she no doubt had heard him say it before, he said to her, Mary? Mary? And she turned and looked at him. And then she saw who was speaking to her, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And she exclaimed, Rabboni! A word that means teacher. Well, Jesus indeed did teach her a great lesson that day. He taught her to see, to see him in his resurrection glory. And she was so excited by the experience that she wanted to hold on to him for herself. She kept just clinging to him as if he belonged to her. And Jesus had to tell her, You have something more important to do, Mary, than to cling to my physical body. You go and tell my brothers, he means his disciples, and say to them, I'm ascending to the Father, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. It's a marvelous statement as you think of it. Jesus calls God my Father, he says, and my God, but he also says to us, to his disciples, the same thing. Your Father, your God. Those who know him, those who belong to him, also have him, as Christ did, as Father and God. That's the assurance every believer has today. We have that great joy of knowing him and knowing our Father through him. But to continue the narrative here in John 20, then we read how Mary did what Jesus commanded her to do and went and announced to the disciples... The great news, he says, I have seen the Lord. She, the one out of whom Jesus had once cast seven demons and transformed her whole life, was given now the honor to announce to the rest of the disciples, I have seen the Lord, risen from the dead. Thereupon, John records in his account how the other disciples themselves also came to see the risen Lord on that same resurrection day, Because in the evening of that day, we read of how Jesus appeared to them as they were secretly meeting in a room in Jerusalem. And there all of a sudden Jesus stood in the midst of them. He showed them his wounded hands and his wounded side, his wounded feet. And then we read in verse 20, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Notice the word saw again. They saw him too. Physically, of course, in his own body, 
still bearing the wounds inflicted upon him at the cross, even though he now had a glorified body. And why was that important? For them to see the Savior himself. Well, let me again give you a few reasons. One is because this was the ultimate proof, the ultimate proof that Christ had risen, that his resurrection was fact, it was real. The signs of the rolled away stone, the sign of an empty tomb, the sign of of angels proclaiming he had risen, but those were not the final, the most convincing proof that our Lord Jesus was alive. If somebody showed me an empty grave of somebody who had died and buried there and was empty now, and who claimed that that person was living now, I could, of course, dispute that claim, even if all the signs seemed to point to its truth. But if I saw the person himself standing in front of me, alive, and he talked to me, then his resurrection would be beyond dispute. And so we have the personal testimonies here in Scripture of those who saw the living Lord in person, who met him, who talked with him. John begins his first epistle, 1 John, with these words, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, while we looked upon him and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. And John is referring there actually to a person, to Christ, whom he had seen and touched and looked upon, referring to him who had risen from the dead. He and the disciples indeed knew him personally. They saw him who died, but now who had risen again. And on their testimony, the faith Our faith in the risen Lord is built, of course. That's what we have in the New Testament, right? We have there the testimony of the apostles, of the eyewitnesses of Christ's glorious resurrection. And it was very important that they saw him in the body because it showed that he was whom he claimed to be, the Savior who truly had earned salvation by his death. Yes, interestingly, you know, it was only after his resurrection that his followers came to understand that he had to die for our sins, that he had to be crucified before he could then be glorified. It was only after his resurrection that the scales fell off their eyes and they saw Jesus, who he truly was, not just a teacher or master, but God's only son, the Messiah who came to redeem his people. Now they saw him living as their Lord, whose death and resurrection had brought them new life, eternal. Now they had resurrection sight as they saw and believed in him. And that brings me now lastly this afternoon to note yet thoroughly for you that there is an even deeper kind of sight that we need as regards Christ's resurrection from the dead. And that is we also, and above all, need to see him by faith alone, by faith alone, as distinct from mere physical sight. Indeed, we must all see him as our Savior and our Lord 
not yet having seen his body. Without seeing his body, we must see him. That's the best resurrection sight there is. If we have seen our Lord himself by faith alone. And of course, that's what we read in the last portion here of John chapter 20. Jesus' disciple Thomas had not been present at that first Sunday, the first, first day when Christ had risen from the dead, along with the other disciples who had seen him. He wasn't there. And even though the other disciples said to Thomas, hey, we've seen the Lord. He's risen from the dead. Thomas would not believe it. Instead, he said, unless I see the hands, his hands, the mark of, in his hands, the mark of the nails, and if I can place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, which had been pierced, I will never believe. Thomas would not believe without literally seeing the risen Lord. And that meant, in effect, that his faith was in his sight, in his own senses. It was not in the testimony of those who had seen the risen Christ. And then Christ appeared again to the disciples, but now with Thomas present. Now he showed, he showed Thomas the daughter his, his hands in his side, and, and he said to him, Okay, Thomas, put your, put your finger into the nail prints of my hands and feet. Put your hand into my side if you like. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then our Lord added this telling question. Verse 29, have you believed because you have seen me? Well, the Bible translations make this statement, rather uh, make this a statement actually, rather than a question. Because you have seen me, you have believed. But it doesn't really affect the main point Christ is making here, which is that seeing him physically isn't really the most crucial thing. Rather, what counts is faith in him from the heart. And Jesus indeed adds this critical statement then when he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's the kind of sight we need, says Jesus, to be truly blessed. The sight of faith alone in him, not dependent upon our physical senses or sight. Many will not accept the truths of the Bible because it doesn't jive with their reason. They say to us, prove to me that Christ has risen from the dead. Uh, Prove to me that he uh, was born of a virgin. Prove to me that he's ascended to heaven. Prove to me that one day he's coming again. You know what such persons are really asking or claiming that they want you to do, is they're claiming that their own reason, their own reason is above the revealed will of God, the revealed truth of God's word. They have more faith in their own reason than in, their, in the faith that is demanded of all those who are to be saved. You know the definition of faith that's given in the Bible in Hebrews 11 verse 1? Listen, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Those who only believe with their eyes, what their eyes can see, 
where their minds can comprehend, have a very limited understanding. Essentially, they, they only are depending on their own fallen, finite intelligence or reason. But our faith is in the testimony of the Word of God. Indeed, we can only trust in the infinite God and the testimony of the Holy Spirit if we indeed have seen the risen Christ by faith alone. Peter himself saw the risen Lord with his own eyes. Nevertheless, he wrote in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 8, though you have not to his readers, other believers, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's true resurrection sight. That's the sight that all of us need to have. Then indeed, by faith in him, by faith in him alone, whom we have not yet seen, we can know the riches of his love. We can truly understand the extent of his grace toward us and what he has done for us. Then we can receive the great gift of his salvation. Then we can enjoy the presence of his Holy Spirit in our hearts each day. Then we can have peace and true comfort in our lives. No matter what our trials may be that we must go through, then we can be assured that he will receive us into his presence in glory. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. When we see the risen Lord by faith, then we look forward to that great day when we will see, will see our Savior face to face. Then, you see, our faith will become sight. Then we shall see him as he is in all his glory and all his beauty. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you that once again you have given to us your holy word uh, to ponder, to reflect upon, and to rejoice in as we've been able to do, as we have been considering again the account of the resurrection of our blessed Savior recorded here in your holy and inspired word. And we thank you, O Lord Christ, that you indeed are the one who has risen from the dead and that we too who live in this age can know you have been raised and are alive. For we have the testimony of those who saw him in the scriptures. We know the signs of his resurrection, but above all, we believe in you. For we know by faith that you are the only one who is our hope and heart's desire. Redemption's only spring. And so we pray that our hearts may be grateful and joyful again here this afternoon to know that we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today and who's also living in our hearts. May that be true for all of us. May we all have embraced him, the risen Christ, by faith alone. Then we can look forward to that day, O gracious Savior, that we shall indeed see you face to face. We ask all of this and pray this in your blessed name alone. Amen. <clears throat>